Introducing the award-list winning podcast. It's the Intellectual Saviors. With your hosts, the Pedo, Rufy Colato, the Ginger Bear. I started going gay and then I had to stop myself. And the Pivot Man. You know there's something wrong when three white women run to a black man's arms and they're happy. They haven't won any awards, but they've won your hearts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Intellectual Saviors, where we are once again half Ericless because he's at home chilling with Skype. So we're on the Skype call with him. Goddamn right. Oh my. He had uh, he hath he hath been held up at work again. So he's how dare you? He's training those twenty year olds. How dare you? We also have serve. Andrew Derry back in the building, who has promised not to troll us the whole time. That's me. Of the Digital Frustrations podcast. Thank you. To make sure we plug, uh, plug, 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 plug. Yeah. While we're on that note, Michael, would you like to whore us out as well? Ooh. Yes, I would. We are on the Twitter at the Intel Saviors. You can find us on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, fucking any other thing you could think of, or you can go to thepodbean.com. Look in the Intellectual Saviors and find us there as well. You can also check out a new podcast that I started with a friend of mine called the called Neon Glow Boys. Which is a movie review podcast. And that doesn't sound gay at all. It doesn't. That's part of the joke. <laughs> Neon Blow Boys? Is that what Neon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's going to be it. Oh, the Blow Boys. Oh, Blow Boys. That's, what, that's why we pay Eric the big bucks for, guys. The big bucks. That's why I'm an intern. Well, we have... That's right. Big, big show today with author Michael Sherlock of the trilogy, I Am Christ, for... So we'll be getting to that. Should we go ahead and send that to the interview kids? Because that's what everybody really wants to hear. Am I not right? right? I, I would think so, Shut yeah. Shut the fuck up. All right. You can hear me awkwardly like interrupt in the middle of the whole fucking thing. Yeah. It was pretty cool, though. I know. It kind of caught it, me by surprise. Really, I, I enjoyed it because it <laughs> sounded like uh, you were actually phoning in. Like we were taking callers. He phones <laughs> in every fucking show. He just phones it in. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Hey, if this is a good uh, if this is a good thing oh, wait, in the future, I, I'm getting confused. I'm talking, goddammit. Sorry. If this is a good thing in the future, uh, I don't know. This seems like a pretty decent way to podcast, don't you think? No, don't trust trust me from having a show <laughs> that's been going on for almost two years. Don't do Skype shows. Nah, this is only going to be if he one of us can't make it. Skype shows are not interviewing. Fine. Yeah, Skype shows really are not like, fun. I feel like. So late, and then I thought about how long it would take me to get to your fucking place. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna Skype in." I I, I still feel like we should make you the pinnacle of the show because you're, you know, that's just what it's like. Every time you do an interview or something, the person on the phone call is like the one who talks the most. So you take the show, Eric. You just take it. We're sending it to the interview, Dick. All right, here's I the interview. Everybody, shut the fuck up. While he's talking to me. Chickity check check chickity check check. Oh, oh what fucking the fuck? fucking shitcock. Check. What the hell? I don't know. What the fuck's going on around here? Why did I just say shitcock? <laughs> Better right. than drop well, an end bomb like you usually do. Let's do this. <clears throat> Alright, I'm gonna check his levels. Hey dude, did you put that picture back up for him? Hello? Hello. Uh, hello, Mr. Sherlock. Sorry about uh, the inconvenience. Our um, third member of our band is Running a little bit late. He 
we do this real late here in the States because we all have crazy-ass schedules, and he is working, and he got held up. So, And he's the one that we're actually using his Skype. And uh, <laughs> I guess you saw that picture on there. <laughs> we did an interview a couple weeks ago, and just to be funny, me and Boggs here decided we'd change his picture to that, and um, that's why he changed his password never and everything changed it. <laughs> Yeah, he changed his password, so he blocked us out, but he never changed the picture. So, so, that's why, so we're having a little bit of issues there, so, so I, I totally apologize for that. Um, Boggs, no, pretty good. I mean... Little tired, little cranky. We were a little pissed because we were like, "Oh my god!" Because we were kind of freaking because we didn't want you waiting on us and and of our yeah, nonsense. That's all right, no worries. Uh, Boggs is just kind of checking levels now to make sure that you're squared away and you can hear us fine, right? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Is my voice clear? Oh yeah, you sound great. All right. He's just making cool. sure that the volumes are good, real quick, and then. So are you? Are you French? No, dumbass. I'm kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm French. I don't speak French. I don't speak it, but I am. And uh, no, actually, I'm I'm Australian, but uh, my family's from Ireland. Okay, that's not my cool. fault. It's not your fault. It's fine. <laughs> you get All right. Well, levels are good as far as I'm concerned. Is everybody cool with this? Yeah, I think we're good to go. Mr. Sherlock, can you hear me? I can hear you, man. Okay. All right. Well, Michael, if you'd like to begin, begin. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do this. Now, we're just kind of pre-taping this. We'll go back and do the rest of the show, and then we'll filter it in. So we'll do the introductions and you know, give out your website information, all that stuff. And, of course, at the end of uh, the interview, we'll go ahead and let you do that again and uh, do you know the promotion on your book. Um, so I'll just go ahead and kind of start into it, and then we're just going to edit this and throw it in. Are you okay over there, dude? You dying? Maybe. God almighty. Uh, Most unprofessional. Okay. All right, sorry, wait, what are your names? Sorry. You, oh, I'm sorry. Using- I'm Michael and Boggs. You want to speak up? Um, ironically enough, we're all named Michael. Yeah, so. I was going to say, his name's oh, Michael, shit. too, but we just call him Boggs. Just call him yep. Boggs. I'm, yeah, basically, I'm marked by my my last name much more. I'm the old Bog. guy, so I I win seniority-wise. With first name So basis. you get to have the first name. Yeah. All right, cool. Words. So three Michaels. This is going to get confusing. All right, I'm going to call you Boggs, Michael, and Michael, right? Um, my name's Andrew. I'm not really going to be talking that much. And Eric is the one that will be showing up, hopefully, in a little bit. Andrew's our intern. He gets us I'm, coffee. Yeah, I'm the intern. And beer during the show. <laughs> it's so, an important job. Unfortunately, so, I'm not paid, so... And he's the one you haze by changing his picture. No, no, that's Eric. That's Which, Eric. He'll and, probably, oh, no, that's yeah, that's the other the other host. And and by the way, just so you know, uh, just so you're prepared for him, he deserves that. So, <laughs> oh Jesus, <laughs> he's on his way here, so he might jump in like midway through. So we'll have him introduce himself when you'll, he gets here. You'll know who he is because he has a very boisterous, boisterous, boisterous. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. I'm sorry. God damn it! I apologize. That's why I'm an intern, I guess. I don't I don't know the English language. Cut his mic. Okay. Well, uh, there's only one mic yeah. for him, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, my bad. I'll just cut him off the recording, and it'll be awkward. All right, He's a very deep, sultry voice. Okay, well, shut the hell up so we can get this going, because I'm sure Mr. Sherlock doesn't want to be on this thing all night with us. Well, I guess it's daytime for him, but still, I'm sure he doesn't yeah, want to deal with this. It's 2.40, man. It's no worries, man. All right. <clears throat> Silence. That goes for you, too. All right. We're joined here with uh, author Michael Sherlock who is um, writing a three-volume series called I Am Christ. Um, 
the first two volumes are out now. The first one is um, I Am Christ the Crucifixion, Painful Truths. And then recently released is I Am Christ the Resurrection, uh, The Awakening. And before we start um, talking about the books, um, Mr. Sherlock, I wanted to um, kind of ask you if you could talk a little bit about yourself, like your background, uh, where you came from, and how you got interested in um, writing about, the, of course, religion, because that's one of those topics I don't think anybody really wants to get into, because no matter how what side you take, you're going to get hammered from the other side on it. There's no right or wrong in this. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, it started when I was studying anthropology, social anthropology at university, and I started really enjoying reading about the ancient myths of uh, particularly the Near Eastern cultures, Mesopotamia, and uh, also Egypt and Persia and Greece and, and these kind of ancient myths, and I really enjoyed them. And then I started reading the Bible and studying the Bible, and I started studying the Bible by writing out the entire Old Testament in notebooks with commentary on each verse. And like by the time I got to the end of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, I was just disgusted. At, and before that time, I I wasn't really a Christian. I, I had I always had trouble because I went to a public school that had scripture once a week, and I always got in trouble from the scripture teacher because I was always asking difficult questions. I think, and my father always encouraged me to ask difficult questions to religious people. And uh, at one time, I, I can't remember what I asked her. I asked her something, and she threw a pair of scissors at my head. And I was in elementary school at the time, and I remember that was my first kind of real impression of a religious nutbag. Mm. And so when I, after university, and I started studying mytholo- ancient mythology and social anthropology and then wrote about the Bible and got into it, I started looking at our society a little bit more in terms of its religiosity and how that impacts on our laws and our society and the inequality we see between men and women and the homophobia and all these sort of things. And also the, the, the trouble that science has had trying to, you know, get religious people to come with us into the 21st century. And considering that in one of the most powerful countries in the world, the US, uh, the religious lobbyists, particularly the Christian lobbyists, have quite a lot of sway with the, the government it's a really sad phenomenon in my opinion and for that reason i really began to dig into the bible and dig into christianity and judaism and even islam now and in the future i have a few books planned to write on islam and i know that's not politically correct we can all bash christianity but we can't bash islam for some reason it's a little Um, bit of a scarier endeavor there's no doubt about that yeah but it deserves it it deserves to be bashed as a religion i'm as a humanist I, i make a distinction between the religion and and the religious person. I don't think we should do, we should persecute religious people. I think we should persecute religion. That is the belief. I mean, they're statements of truth, or alleged truth, and so they should be scrutinized like any statement of truth. And we can't do that with religion for some reason. It's a social vopar to, to say to someone, we're talking snake, come on, man. Like, you know, and, but if a scientist brings out a hypothesis, uh, we're allowed to scrutinize that to bits, and I think that's a good thing, but we're not allowed to do the same thing with religion. There's a double standard there, but they're, they're, both, they're both claiming to have the truth or to propose, well, the scientist proposes probable truths because the scientist is a little bit more humble and realistic, but the, the religious person promotes these absolute truths which aren't allowed to be questioned or scrutinized for the sake of politeness. And in earlier days, for the sake of your life, because you'd be killed 
particularly in the Dark Ages and even up into the 19th century. I mean, so, yeah, I, I began looking at the implications that religion has had on society, our society, Western society in particular, and, yeah, I, I guess I got more and more angry with the state of affairs and with where we are and how we've gotten here um, and how religion has derailed civilization in many regards. I mean, religion has also had a positive effect. Uh, I mean, I can't be, uh, you know, myopic in this in my outlook so religion has had some positive impacts but i believe in my opinion anyway that they are minimal compared to the detriment that they've caused our society that is you know they're, they're like heroin religion is a lot like heroin i'm sure you can use it responsibly but essentially it's addictive and it's dangerous that's what and the, it's yeah oh i was just excuse so, me i was just gonna say that's one thing I, with your first book i love is because you take the uh, psychology of it like I, I love how you go into the study and the studies about like neuroscience and psychology and stuff and so the addiction aspect of it I mean that totally makes sense what you're saying uh, I love how you use the studies and kind of parse that um, so I definitely see where you're coming with that thank you yeah and I think that's a really important aspect a really important angle to, to evaluate religion is let's look at the psychology of religion the psychology of the believer Let's look at the, the, the neuroscientific implications of the believer. And in the third volume, which will be released either at the end of this year or toward the beginning of next year, I'll go in and I'll deal with full chapters on neuroscience and God, the ego psychology and God, and that chapter is called Ego God. And I will address those issues in much more depth. And I'll give people, a, a hopefully give readers a greater understanding of, well, you know, God is in your brain. Essentially, your brain is not, your consciousness is not separated from your brain. It's not some ghost in a shell. You know, you, we are essentially biological robots. And I think that this is something we need to come to terms with. And it's frightening for a lot of people because, well, if the brain dies, we die. Well, I want to live forever. I want immortality. And this is a great fear many people have. They need an afterlife to believe in. Well, they don't need it. They feel they need it. But as Einstein said, you know, like one life is certainly enough for me. Like I would hate to live forever. Like I like my sleep. So yeah, I'm not scared to die, but I don't want to die. But yeah, these are things people need to come to terms with. And I'll go into those uh, issues, the psychological and the neuroscientific issues in greater depth in the third volume. In the, the third volume is called The Ascension Understanding. And that's what it's about. It's about looking at some of the deeper issues. And so, yeah, so yeah that's have i answered the question sometimes i don't answer the question sometimes i just babble no 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 definitely yeah. um i did kind of want to go through them one by one um the first volume though i noticed it it deals more with like um misconceptions within the gospels or the bible um like with events the the language that's used um more so like whereas people kind of go through it and realize that some of these misconceptions and stuff it kind of can pique skepticism in some of the people and stuff i it, the way it I took it, it was like, you know, just reading, and we say this all the time, the best way to turn someone atheist is have them read the Bible, you know, so to speak. So it's like, you know, you go through it and you start seeing some of these double standards or some of the double talk within, um, you know, it'll say one thing here, and then if you read a few hundred pages, you know, down the road, you'll see something that counteracts exactly what was said previously. Um, Yeah. That's kind of what I got from, like, the very first volume was that's kind of the, that's where you're going with it, trying to just point that out. That's right, and the first, 
that's exactly right. The first volume, The Crucifixion, Painful Truths, is really about coming face-to-face with what you've just explained there, the contradictions, some of the, yeah, the contradictions between not only the narratives of Jesus' alleged life on earth, but of also philosophical teachings that come into conflict with each other. And once you come in, you, you face those and you start, you stop trying to rationalize them and harmonize them and, and employ, you know, adaptational strategies and various psychological strategies to keep your belief intact. That is, once you start honestly looking at these contradictions, well, then that opens a whole can of worms. Well, maybe it's not a divinely inspired collection of books. Maybe it's written by human authors who each had competing theological points of view, who each wrote in various time time epochs, you know, throughout history. I mean, the Bible as, as a collection of books was written over a thousand, or at least a thousand years. So obviously philosophy, theology and all that changed over that time. And you can see that change throughout the Bible. Um, and so when you come to terms with those contradictions, I think for many people, that's the first step in, yeah, becoming an atheist or becoming agnostic at least. And for me, the crucifixion, painful truths, the title is about that psychological crucifixion. That is when we are, when we come to terms with the fact that our beliefs might be wrong, it can be a painful process psychologically. It's like a crucifixion of the psyche or a crucifixion of the mind. And so we go through cognitive dissonance and that's a very painful and uneasy, you know, feeling. And so how do we resolve that cognitive dissonance? Well, we can, you can go into confirmation bias and try and, you know, find information that supports our belief to keep it intact. We can use adaptational strategies to try and create new little peripheral beliefs to keep the core belief intact. Or we can just be honest and brave and courageous and say, you know what, I think my belief was wrong and I'm ready to grow past it now. And that's what the Crucifixion Painful Truths is all about for the Christian, for the Christian reader. But it's still light. So, in, for example, in that first volume, you'll see little catchwords that, that have shocked some of my atheist friends. I'll, I'll, re- I'll refer to Darwinism. I'll talk, I'll, say, I'll talk about scientific dogma. I won't bring up the question of the existence of God. This is the first step. I want them to be able to read things where, for example, when I'm talking about scientific dogma, that comes just before the discussion on confirmation bias. So to the theist reader, particularly the Christian reader, they're reading all this negative stuff about their religion and bang, they, they, they read a catchword they love, scientific dogma. Yeah, that's so true, scientific dogma. I don't believe that scientific dogma exists or we wouldn't have various different uh, approaches to the theory of evolution within mainstream science. If scientific dogma existed, those varying fields of evolutionary theory would not exist. They could not exist if there was dogma. So I don't think there is. But what I wanted to do is put in a little catchword for them where they say, yes, I agree with that, but no, I don't agree with that. And then the next thing they're reading about confirmation and disconfirmation bias. And hang on a minute, am I committing confirmation bias by agreeing with this little uh, phrase on or this little um, sentence on scientific dogma? Yes, I am. And this is little things I wanted to put in the crucifixion painful truths. Then in the second volume, I start bringing up the question, well, God might not exist. And it's a little bit more agnostic and it's a little bit more soft. And in the third volume, God does not exist. It's more than likely God does not exist. And this is the three-step stage that I wanted to take the books through and the reader through as well. So, yeah, that's pretty much the 
the theory from the Christian point of view mainly. It deals with Christianity. But yeah. Gonna, yeah, I saw something. I know that um, I think I either read it or heard you say something I listened to where you were talking about you don't like to be called an atheist because you don't really uh, go by labels. You don't like being stuck with a label. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just from the books, I mean, it really does seem like you have that atheistic point of view on everything or is it just is this something you came to like when you said back in the day when you were um, rewriting the Old Testament going back and making your notations and stuff which by the way that blows my mind that you rewrote the whole Old Testament by hand (laughs) I really wanted to learn it and I have a terrible memory so I I had a teacher who once always used to tell me if you can't remember something write it down so I was like stuff it I'm going to write the Old Testament out and I just did it and I really enjoyed doing it and writing little smart-ass remarks under different verses and passages and stories in the, the Old Testament, which are just absurd. And so I really enjoyed writing little comments and notations trying to fix the Bible uh, for, quote-unquote, God, because it's really, there's a lot of rubbish in there. But, um, yeah, no, as far as my opinion on being called an atheist goes, I still don't want to be called an atheist. For the same reason I don't want to be called a non-figure skater. You know, I don't figure skate, but I don't want to be called a non-figure skater. Okay. Uh, figure skating is not the standard norm that everyone should be, and anything contrary to that should be called a non-figure skater for the same reason that theism shouldn't be the norm. I know that over history it has been, but no, let's change that now. Let's let's not label ourselves atheists personally. We can use the term. It's a, very, it's a descriptive term. It's a functional term. It's very, you know, it's accurate. Um, I don't believe in God. So that does make me an atheist. I don't say there is no God. That's a positive statement that involves a belief. I believe there is no God. No, I don't believe that. I have insufficient evidence to conclude that a God exists. Zeus, Hercules, Osiris, whoever. I don't have the evidence, so no, I do not believe. I don't believe in God. That makes me an atheist. So, And also these labels, they're quite ambiguous in many ways. Some people say to be an atheist, you must have a positive belief in the non-existence of a God. Well, there are those atheists. But there are other atheists who say, well, no, I won't make that statement because epistemologically speaking, I can't make that statement. You can't disprove a tiny little teapot flying around the sun that's too small to see with a telescope. I think that's true. I can't, dis- yeah, you that- know, I can't disprove that when I go to sleep, my children's toys don't come to life and cause mischief in the house. Now, I can't disprove that, the, the premise of Toy Story. But th- does it mean I go and believe it just because there are people that do? No, I don't. I reserve my belief because I'm stingy with my beliefs because I like to think. I prefer to think than believe. And this is my personal preference. I mean, so, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I don't call myself an atheist, but let's be entirely honest. That's probably what I am. <laughs> Yeah, I think all three of us on the show, that's kind of the way we are. I think we say this all the time, you know, we consider ourselves atheists, but any atheist who's rational, uh, rational free thinker, if you push them on them hard enough, they're going to admit that we just don't know if there was a God or not. So, I mean, I guess when it comes down to it, we're all agnostic in that way. So I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. Um, there was something that I had seen you say, because I know, like you're saying, you have uh, books coming up on Islam. Um I kind of want to get in that a little bit, but there's one thing I saw you say about um, you comparing the United States, of course, we're in the United States, to uh, Saudi Arabia on, I guess, on (laughs) religious extremism. I thought that was fascinating, uh, what I heard you kind of say about it. I don't know if you kind of want to embellish a little bit upon that. 
Well, we're looking at the statistics anyway, and these are statistics that uh, I think they were taken by a Gallup poll. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, Lawrence Krauss really loves these statistics and, and Jerry Coyne and some other evolutionary scientists and uh, cosmological scientists love these statistics. But I think the percentage is around 80, around 80% of Americans believe in God, right? It's, I'd, I'd say I, it's about that level. I, although I do think some people just say it because it's what they're supposed to yeah. say, you know. And that's another that's another element of comparison. I'm sure there are many atheists, or under I call them undercover atheists, mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia. But you wouldn't speak up too quickly and say, Allah's rubbish, isn't it? You know, that's not a smart thing to do socially, politically in Saudi Arabia in the same way that it's not a smart thing to do in the US. Particularly if, for example, your employer is Christian. You know, what if your employer is Christian and, you know, maybe you have prayer time before you work or, you know, I know there's certain laws that are supposed to protect against such things in America, but I've heard some horror stories as well about, you know, a very religious workplace and, you know, I spoke out and I lost my job and, you know, it's, it's still, I think, it's not a very atheist-friendly environment, America. No. From from the stories I'm getting anyway, and from some of the news media I'm getting as well. well so com- I don't know firsthand. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, especially in a political realm over here, that's the big thing, because it's you almost have to be a Christian to be a politician in this country. I can't really think of anybody who's an outright atheist who proclaims, I think we maybe have like one member in our Congress who doesn't claim to be religious. I mean, it's almost like one of those things you have to kind of play the game, even if they are not. Like, I don't know, like with uh, like with our president, Obama, I don't really know how religious he is, to be honest with you. I don't think he's a very religious guy, but you have to play that game at least. Yeah. You know, or it's just you're not going to be in... Exactly. Yeah, I mean, the guys. politician... Not to interrupt, uh, but another thing with uh, America is, uh, I know recently they've talked about in abortion clinics uh, that... They're going to try and get rid of the uh, barrier zones. So now it's the, the crazy fanaticals can get like up close and personal with uh, the people that are trying to uh, get their abortions done. And it's uh, becoming a, a big heated issue. And, you know, of course, the Christian rights over here saying, oh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to be compassionate. We're going to be nice. But in reality is they want to guilt trip them, make them feel like crap and bicker them and berate them into uh, pretty much feeling too guilty to do it even though it might be in their best interest. Michael, say hi to Eric. <clears throat> That's Eric hi, on the phone Eric, yeah. <laughs> and nice, nice contribution, nice contribution. And that's one of, the, one of the things I was talking about earlier, some of the implications that religiosity has on society that really irritate me. It really, really irritates me. It's, I mean, uh, I don't know. It's oh my god! It's just really annoying. Sound <laughs> yeah. like me? We we deal with it every week on this crappy show. Have you ever felt <laughs> speechless uh, discussing issues like that with people? Myself? Me? Yes. yes, I have many times. I just I I know the next word out of my mouth is going to be a, an extreme profanity, so I just shut up. So <laughs> I just I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to say it. And it just it, but it fuels me. It fuels me, and I'm like, right, I'm going back to the Bible. I'm going back to the textual commentaries on the Bible. I'm going I'm going to dig this thing apart. I'm going to go back to the histories, to the best historians we have. I'm going to tear this thing apart. And it fuels me intellectually to to put every ounce of of intellect of of motivation of everything I have into ripping apart this religion, the major religion. 
because if we can rip apart these religions, eventually, you know, reason hopefully will dominate. And I don't want to do a Voltaire type mistake and say, well, in this year, the Bible's going to be deemed a fiction, you know, um, but let's hope, you know, there was a, a study done, I think, by a, a biopsychologist in Ireland. I can't remember his name, Barbara, I think his name was, where he said that by about the year 2038, atheism will be the predominant worldview. And so let's hope, eh? Let's really hope. I'm not, I'm not this, seeing this, that, but maybe. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I mean, we can hope, right? We can. The religious people are allowed to hope and dream, so are we. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just disgusting, that type of the anti-abortion, the picketing, the dead funerals of, you know, gay kids and stuff like that that goes on from the, what are they, the Westboro Baptist nut, nut oh, factory yeah. or whatever. Oh, God. That's yeah. right. And yeah. then the main, there's a many, many Christians out there who are, you know, champions for gay rights as well. We have to balance it. And they might get upset and say, well, you know, you're, you're painting us with the, the, the same brush and it's not fair. Well, actually, when you go back to the text and you look at your religion, the fundamentalists are the ones who are performing the religion most accurately. You are choosing what you don't like in it and ignoring it. And the, the text itself says don't add or subtract from the text. Read it and understand it as it is. And as it is, is anti-gay, it's anti-woman, it's anti-science, it's anti-progression, it's anti-thought, it's, it's anti-humane, it's un inhumane. The text is inhumane. So those fundamentalists who are the most inhumane are the ones who are the most dedicated and loyal to their religions and they're reading it correctly. They're reading their texts and performing their religions correctly. And that tells me that religion is inhumane, these religions in particular. Well, it's like you said, you, you went through the Old Testament rewrote, so you know that. That's one of those things we bring up with religious people. You bring up aspects like that with the gay and stuff, and most most of the really harsh rhetoric is in the Old Testament, and they always are like, that's Old Testament. Like, it doesn't count. I always love that. Yeah. That's one of our things on the show. It's like, oh, Old Testament doesn't really count. Well, um, the next time they do that, you just say, okay, what about Matthew 5.17? Jesus said every single word of the prophets, not one yot or tittle. And yot and tittle is a, a small Hebrew characters. So what he's saying is even the tiniest letter of the Old Testament applies. And in 5.19, he goes on to say that if you teach anyone to not obey even the smallest of little laws that are in the Old Testament, you won't be, you won't be going to heaven. Mm. But then again, he turns around and completely revokes the dietary laws and the Sabbath and everything like that. So it's a massive contradictions. But essentially, you can bring up Matthew five seventeen to to, yeah, to shut those people up that say, well, the Old Testament doesn't matter. And also, you can bring up Matthew as a book, as a, as a, as a gospel, and say, well, if the Old Testament doesn't matter, why why was it pivotal to to the author, this fake author's uh, you know narration? Every every time Jesus sneezes. The author of Matthew applies it to some, you know, prophecy from the Old Testament. You know, it's it's intrinsically linked with the Old Testament. the the Christian The Christian religion has been sloppily tacked on to the Old Testament. You know, in my opinion, and I go through that in the second volume, in the nuts and bolts of the Christian scam. It's a chapter, and I look at how they hijack the legitimacy of Judaism. Uh, legitimacy meaning Judaism had a long standing in the ancient world. And so they couldn't just come up and create a new religion out of scratch, so they tacked it onto the Jewish religion. And I'm not a fan of the Caesar's Messiah theory. I think there's many holes in that theory. 
but aspects of that theory seem quite plausible. Yeah. Um, speaking on behalf of uh, just another piece of their shield that they use in terms of defending that they're a peaceful religion, that Christianity is about peace and love. Um, and I haven't read your books yet, I have to be honest, but I wanted to ask if there was uh, pieces to that that explain the history of how violent they've been, particularly Dark Ages, uh, Crusades, etc. Oh, it just, this is where the second volume goes as well. In my second volume of the I Am Christ, I deal with the more ugly. I, I pick the carpet up and I look under the carpet and I look at the Inquisition, the, or the Goan Inquisition in particular as an example. And not many people know about the Goan Inquisition, which occurred in Goa in India, um, which was sanctioned by Saint Francis Xavier. And I use the word saint in quotation marks. Uh, he's also the saint that gave Japan the gun for the first time. Um, I mean, I look at the history of Christianity and I see that it's only when the societies that were hosting this virus became more secularized that it became more gentle. In the beginning, uh, from not the beginning, but from its uh, officialization in the 4th century with Constantine and following Constantine, Theodosius, the, the great, uh, these psychopaths, from that moment on, when the, the Proto-Orthodox Church became the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church became the Universal Church, because Catholic means universal, when that occurred from the 4th century until the 19th century around, Christianity was a violent and horrible religion. There are still aspects of that today, Westboro Baptist Church, etc. However, um, Christianity is tempered by a secular society now. You know, I think it was Robert Ingersoll who said, you know, if a man today was to follow the dictates of the Old Testament, he'd be a criminal. And if he were to follow the new, he'd be insane. And essentially, he's true. He's right. Um, what I see with the history of Christianity is it was violent as soon as it could be. And it stopped being violent as soon as it couldn't. And this, this was brought by a, a French philosopher, I can't remember his name, a poet, said that religions come begging to us when they can no longer burn us. And we see, we see this with Christianity. And, and I, I wrote a picture meme once, and it appears as part of, uh, it's actually an absolute little excerpt from the second volume, and I compare Christianity to a caged lunatic. That, you know, the caged lunatic pretends to be gentle and friendly and nice and everything like that because the caged lunatic wants to get out of the cage. And I'm not saying this about Christians. I'm talking about the religion itself. Give the religion back control of the, the temporal system, the, the governments, the, the legal system, give them back control and see what happens. See how quickly we slip back into, you know, the insanities of the past. So I think, it's, it's oh, I, think yeah, sorry. I, I was going to say, I think when you bring that up to me, what that reminds me of is the way that Christians, especially here in America, look at Islam now as how violent it is and almost look at it like like you're saying. If you look at Christianity from a couple hundred years ago with the Crusades and the Inquisition and like the 30-year war and things like that that they did, they were so violent. I mean, it wasn't – it's not a question of, oh, it was just a little phase they went through. No, this happened over hundreds of years. And you kind of see the same thing with Islam now. And it's like you said, like Christianity has been more secularized. And it's just Islam's not to that point. Although, I mean, you'll see some like women fighting back a little bit now in some of these uh, Muslim countries. But it's like almost like Islam is where Christianity was a couple hundred years back. That's kind of the, the way I see it. Oh, You're exactly right. Like and you even said that uh, – 
like you were saying earlier, how uh, they they try and act like a peaceful religion, and just because they're not in the political power, so to speak. And uh, I know we talked about it on the show before, but look at uh, Pope Francis, how the Catholic Church has really pushed him out into the forefront and saying, "Look, we're being nice, we're being good to the poor, and all this stuff." Meanwhile, they're still raking in the dough. They're still sitting on golden thrones. And it's just a ruse, it seems like to me, to kind of like appease the masses and trying to act like they're more peaceful than they actually are and disregarding their past and the things that they've done. Mm. It's PR, isn't it? You know, atheists can go to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. <laughs> well, <laughs> atheists, that, that, that tickled me so much. I was like, oh, he didn't say that. No, he didn't. I mean, that's just desperation. That looks like desperation to me. Yeah, and he also... And, made- but, made that phrase about you know about uh homosexuals saying that you know who's he to judge homosexuals you know whether they are you know it's like well it's in your book you know there's your judgment <laughs> right there it's and you are god's messenger on earth so i think you are the one that has something to say about it <laughs> yeah. when when you look at the history of christianity as well it's always been a trending religion it tries to trend to become popular it's more about getting numbers than anything isn't it it's a pyramid scheme but um, essentially, it, it trended in the beginning when it tried when it adapted the food laws of the Jews. Uh, it took away circumcision. It took away all the all the unpleasant stuff that the, then the Gentiles didn't like about Judaism. And it said, yeah, you know, don't worry about all that. Okay, we, no, we don't need all that. And you, and you see this throughout its history. It's a trending religion. Uh, you see that when feminism got big uh, in the states, particularly. All of a sudden, the churches were talking about the feminine Christ and all this stuff. Oh, okay, well, all right. And then now this alien UFO stuff's really big, and it's like, well, Jesus might have been a UFO, and the Vatican's not uh, against uh, the concept of, of you know, aliens and things like that. It's it's always trying to trend. And now atheism's on the rise. Hey, guess what, guys? Atheists, atheists go to heaven too. It's like, no, dude, I'm still not going to give you any money. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the best part. No, no cash. <clears throat> yeah, does it make you want to? But run yeah, out? with regards to Islam, you're talking about Islam and the difference, and because Islam's not tempered by a secular society in in most instances, um, I think Pakistan's a secular society, but uh, that's a bit iffy, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it's, it's Saudi not like, Arabia. For yeah, example. or like yeah. Afghanistan, or those those are the probably the biggest players that come to mind when I think yeah. of the violence and how they run their business, the way they treat women and. It's very ancient, like their format, the way they run it. But um, yeah, I, I, that's why I said I see the comparison there. Like when you're talking about Christianity and the way it used to be, I, I just see Islam is just that couple hundred years behind. Like they're basically what Christianity was a couple hundred years ago, you know. But people yeah, don't realize I've it made, here. I've made that exact statement a few times. You look at Chris, take Christianity back a few hundred years, and you're looking at Islam today. The only difference is, and you brought it up. That there are some women, you know, uh, Muslim feminists, which I find is quite an interesting concept. Um, but there are, yeah, like you say, there are women speaking out. But how can they do that? And why are they influenced to do that? Well, we live in a global society now in which certain secular ideas are seeping into their society. And these, some of these secular ideas are feminism. You know, that's one of them. And so Christianity didn't have that benefit a few hundred years ago. There was no such thing as a secular society. So it was completely just superstitious, completely. But that you see Saudi Arabia tries to clamp down on that stuff really hard. I mean, I think you can get the death penalty or imprisonment for having a dog, a pet dog. 
Oh, um, there are all these insane, insane laws because the the Quran and or the Sharia law, which comes from the Quran, is the the dominant legal what would you call it document in that society. It overrides the laws, and when you have religious people making the laws, insanity ensues. It's a given. Oh, absolutely. If we had uh, the Bible as the forefront for our laws in America, uh, mm. pretty much all three of us would be gone already. We'd be dead without oh, a doubt. Yeah. yeah, I'd be fine because I'm in Japan, so I'd be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Fukushima yeah. might get you eventually. That's true. That's true. How did, just, I know this is totally off topic, but how did you decide to move your family to Japan when you're originally from Australia? Because I think Australia would be pretty bitching from what I hear. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I want to go to Japan someday too. We all know why, Michael. I like the women there. I can't say anything against Japanese girls. (laughs) No, for me, for, for my wife and I, like, Australia wasn't our cup of tea, you know, we just. We came to Japan on our honeymoon, and we just loved it here. We fell in love with the people, with the culture, with the the honesty. You know, it's just such a safe society, generally speaking. Like, you'll see, like, kindergarten-age kids catching trains in the evening in Tokyo. Wow. You know, it's that safe. It's a really, really safe society, and it's not a Christian society. They don't care to shove their religion down your throat. They, it's not a... a it's not built on a religion that is a proselytizing religion. So it's very nice. They're like, yeah, well, I kind of – most of them are atheists. If you talk to most Japanese people, it's like, well, you have this story about the gods and, you know, every every Japanese person is represented in the heavens by one candle and if the god sneezes and the candle goes out, well, that's why people die. And you're like, well, do you believe that? They're like, no, it's just an old story. It's like, okay, cool. And so they're very rational. There's a, there's a very rational component to Japanese society. Of course, as with every society, there's downfalls as well. It's very monocultural. It can be very nationalistic. And it's, yeah, they're a little bit snobby when it comes to other cultures. But essentially, it's it suits my wife and I. And we're, we're happy raising our kids here as well. It's really nice for us. Oh, you, sure don't want yeah. to, you sure don't want to come to America? I mean, it's great over here. <laughs> I've been to America. I went to America they, once. They never try and force their religious views on you here, ever. I remember my first impression. We landed at JFK Airport, and we went out because we we're staying in Manhattan. And we, I looked out at the newsreel going on the building. I can't remember what building it was. Maybe in Times Square somewhere. And it said, uh, "What was it? Jilted lover cuts her lover's head off with a pocket knife." And Damn. I was just like, wow, <laughs> this place is insane. <laughs> and like seeing all these homeless people everywhere. And you see all these homeless people everywhere. And then you go to the Statue of Liberty and it's like, give me your poor and your tired and your huddled masses so they can yeah, live on our streets. Mr. Sherlock, you'll love this. There's a new Dallas policy that deals with the homeless. And the way they do that is they take all of the things that they actually have underneath the bridges, put them in a dump truck, and just drive off with it. 
Well, that's nice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's that's how they they're like we're going to clean up the Dallas streets. That was their big campaign. That was like two or three years ago. Well, that's the great thing about living in a nation that claims to be a Christian nation by the politicians yeah. that run it is because we really take care of our people. I mean, you know, everybody's got health care over here, and they all have a warm bed to sleep in at night and food to eat because we take care of our people. It's good Christian, yeah. good Christian values. It's what yeah, they Christ- don't need to follow. They don't need to follow Christianity because they're Christians. Yeah. So yeah. It's just absolutely insane, isn't it? And it's like the, there's, a, there's a saying that there's, it's attributed to Jesus in the Gospels. I say attributed because it's probably – I, I doubt the historicity of Jesus. I don't say it wasn't historical, but I doubt it. Um, anyway, he is alleged to have said, you know, if you don't take care of the sick and the poor and the meek, then essentially you're slapping me in the face. You're not taking care of me. And that was stolen from an earlier Buddhist uh, scripture where Buddha alleges the same thing and he says to you, to his followers if you don't take care of the sick and the poor and everything essentially you're not taking care of me and but well they're not going to follow that are they I mean 80% Christian what is it and you've got to be a professor belief in God and all this stuff to get into government basically if you want to please your constituents in America and yet it's just an absolute hypocrisy it's terrible yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, I found it funny whenever I was uh, looking up your book, uh, which I did purchase, and I'm halfway done with it. I'm not completely done with your first book, I Am Christ, uh, but so far uh, it's been fantastic. But when I was looking Thanks. up reviews and everything, overwhelmingly a lot of them are very positive and talk about you know the they're starting to make people uh, skeptical about their faith. You know, people that have taken a chance on it that are Christian, uh, but then every once in a while you have the ones that are. Uh, uh, like this one guy on Amazon who uh, is like, okay, so this guy uh, doesn't want Christianity to force their beliefs on others, but he's forcing his beliefs on other people by writing this book and trying to sell it. Um, and I just find it very funny how they they can't differentiate between uh, pushing their religion, which is based off of absolutely nothing. Because uh, mm-hmm. when you dig into the book, it's just a complete fallacy the entire thing and there's a thousand contradictions within it and it doesn't line up with history whatsoever he's talking about the bible Meanwhile, not your book by the way i think he knows yeah, that yeah, no, okay he just sounded for saying like your book has a thousand Meanwhile, contradictions <laughs> Meanwhile, you're coming out with your book with uh actual tangible uh evidence and uh tangible philosophical ideas and somehow you're wrong for wanting people to think logically and rationally I just found it kind of almost delightful. Like, I just got giddy, like, listening to it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That That's really the argument? That's why they gave it a negative review? Because they can't yeah. get past the fact that this guy's using logic? <laughs> yeah. It, where that guy, that guy, I found out where that guy, he didn't read my book, that, that commenter, that, that reviewer. What he did is there's a blog, a Christian apologetics blog called Stand to Reason. And I love the way they accost words like reason and logic and all these things anyway there's a christian apologetic uh, blog and they're pretty popular they're called stand to reason and they had a guy on there he's one of their bloggers and he made a video about my book and he's like well this is a this is a you know typical self-refuting fallacy that michael's committed here you know he's saying that well your beliefs are just beliefs well then his beliefs are just beliefs and it's like yeah okay well let's look at that for a second so i wrote a big refutation of his video 
and I, I posted that on my blog as well. It's like, okay, well, evolution is not really a belief. Now, evolution theory is a scientific theory based on facts that describe the probable origins and evolution of our species based on the best evidence we have. Nowhere in any of Darwin's works or any of uh, any evolutionary scientists will say, if you don't believe this, you're going to hell. You have to believe this. Science isn't based on belief, nor is logic for that matter. It's, it's about rationally thinking. It's about thinking. And that's all I want people to do, think. But you tell a Christian, okay, do you think you could possibly be wrong? No, I can't possibly be wrong. And you're wrong for <laughs> suggesting I could possibly be wrong. It's like, no, I'm just asking you, could you be wrong? And this is why, and in my book, as you've probably read, I go through the psychological confirmation bias, disconfirmation bias. I look at these things, and all I'm doing is, okay, well, it's possible that you're wrong. No, no, yeah. it's impossible I'm wrong. You're wrong for saying I'm wrong. That's a fallacy to say I could be wrong. It's like, no, it's not actually. It's a possibility. And in this case, in your case, being a Christian nutbag, it's a probability. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk to any scientist, especially when it comes to evolutionary biology. And, I mean, they're not exactly closed off to discussion as to different adaptations or different theories about it. It's just when somebody presents it to them, they're like, okay, well, show me the evidence. It's, yeah. and, and it's, I don't understand why it's so hard for people to distinguish the difference between just saying, no, you're wrong versus, well, show me why you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a, it's a self-defense mechanism, isn't it? Really, when you look at it psychologically, what's the motivation for, for the reviewer writing that review of my book? What's the motivation for this blog putting up this refutation of my book? I think it's great that these are up, by the way. I think it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> but let's look at the motivation. The motivation is they have a belief that they're trying to protect. Let's be honest. Where does that belief, where is that belief located in the psychology? It's located in the ego. What does the ego have? Well, according to many psychologists, the ego has defense mechanisms. And essentially, the defense mechanism works by distorting reality to keep the ego in check and the, everything inside the ego in check, namely the beliefs. And these, these are why we partake in confirmation bias, disconfirmation bias, and these other strategies we, we employ to try and keep our beliefs in check because it's, it's an issue of the ego. And that's why in the final volume of my series, I have a whole chapter called Ego God, and it's psychology and religion, and I deal with that. It's just essentially that's what it boils down to, in my opinion. It's, it's a defense mechanism. You know? One thing I do like about the book is um, the fact that even though it's pretty much based, of course, you go through the Bible and you, you know, you put your story out against it. It really could go against any religion. I like the fact that, you know, it's not, it's again, I mean, it's like I said, it's based on the Christianity and you go through the Bible, but it really, you could just pretty much swap out any religious belief within it. And I kind of like yeah. that, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I don't see it really as an anti-Christian book. I know, like I, like Eric was saying, I saw a couple um, reviews or different things on it where people kind of look at it like you're just anti-religion hammering religion and I didn't really or Christianity I didn't really see it that way so much mm. you know I, I, no look it was intended to to use Christianity as a case study and like you said it can apply to any religion like for example and I've gotten a lot of heat over this there's two things you don't talk about with some liberal atheists that is, number one is Islam because you're a racist for some reason. I don't know why you're a racist when Islam is 
not a race, but anyway. And two, you don't talk about the Dalai Lama, and I do that. I talk, I talk about the Dalai Lama. Okay, he was selected by a talking lake. That's stupid. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry to tell you, man. You've said some really cool things, but you were chosen by a talking lake. Pretty awesome. Who spoke to some monks who got a vision in their head that you were the dude. Sorry, man. I just, I just don't think that washes. Was you that know, a Ben Lebowski reference? The... <laughs> I wish. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> have you seen the Big no, Lebowski? I mean, yeah, I have. I okay, have. was that was that a reference to that? No, it wasn't. But Damn I it. Could, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was a subconscious. Maybe sure. a subconscious I wish the dude yeah, was the Dalai Lama. But the Dalai Lama, I mean, he's... And you look at the regime, the Tibetan regime, before China went in, and I'm not condoning China's atrocities in Tibet, and um, I, I don't, I'm not pro-China in this instance. But when you look at before China went in there, there was a tyrannical religious regime with slavery. I mean, it, it looked like Islam. You know, it looked exactly like Islam. Chopping hands off for theft and all this sort of rubbish. And, you know, essentially women were uh, treated worse than men. Uh, you have all these insane, you know, religious outgrowths in the society that we why does the Dalai Lama want to get free Tibet well, if he frees Tibet then he's back in charge again and his people that those religious nuts are back in charge and I brought that up and oh my I, I think I lost like 50 fans in in the space of like 10 minutes <laughs> people just say oh, he's talking about the Dalai Lama that's it I'm out of here I hate him it's like well I'm just I'm just you know, it's information for you to consider. I could be wrong. I don't ever claim to have the absolute truth. I'm not religious. But, like, I'm just, this is possibly maybe a motivation he has to free Tibet because it's in his interest. You know, and uh, again, I'm not condoning China and say, oh, he's pro China and all the, no, I'm not at all. I think China was equally disgusting. I think communism is just as stupid. But yeah, no. So, yeah, I, I get a lot of heat because I, I guess I, I attack everyone. I think my bigotry is evenly spread across the moldy bread of religion. Well, that's good because we got Boggs here and his definitely isn't. Um, Mr. Sherlock, I, I don't know if Eric or Boggs, you guys have any more questions because we've held Mr. Sherlock for this time. First, I want to say people aren't going to know this because we're going to edit the shit out of it, but we got a late start on this, so he was very kind to wait for us because we had some technical issues and it wasn't Boggs this time. It was not me this time. I don't know, Eric. Do you have anything else that you want to ask, Mr. Sherlock, before we let him go? Uh, no, I'm just glad that I was able to get on for a little bit and uh, have a decent conversation. So I'm I appreciate it. I'm glad you were too, sir. Um, Mr. Sherlock, if you want to go ahead and plug, I mean, we of course the the, the volume series, the I Am Christ. Uh, you can find them on Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble. Um, author Michael Sherlock. Is there anything else you want to plug? Any social media that you have out there that you'd like to direct people towards? Um. No, actually, I have a new book coming out in March, which I might want to plug, I guess. It's, yeah, definitely. It's going to be – I have a new book coming out in around March or April. It should be out, hopefully. It's called The Gospel of Atheism and Free Thought According to Sherlock, and that's going to be published by Dangerous Little Books Publishers, and they publish David McAfee. And David McAfee is going to be writing the forward. He's a pretty well-known atheist. Uh, he's going to be writing the forward of that book. And in that book, it's the book itself is divided into three books. And uh, you have the book of atheism, the book of free thought, and then the book of heresy. And the first two books are just memes, quotes, and musings I've written. 
Uh, and then the last book is a bunch of selected essays, articles, and pieces that I've written against Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, and the Bible, and the historicity of Jesus, and all that stuff. And so, yeah, so I guess I'd plug the, the that new atheist gospel that I've written. Fantastic. And, you know, definitely whenever those come out, you know, I've really enjoyed having you on. I mean, you definitely seem to know your stuff. And like I said, just from what I've been able to read of your material so far, and I know Eric said the same thing, it's, I, I really, I think it's great. I mean, you know, but of course I'm a heathen, so it's right up my alley. So <laughs> might not be for most people, but, um, but definitely, I mean, whenever that comes out, we'd love to have you back on and, uh, we wouldn't make you wait for a half hour like we did this time. I promise. <laughs> No, shit happens, man. Don't worry about it. No, and I really appreciated you having me on as well. It was really nice. Maybe if also you could plug my Twitter, that would be awesome. Like, uh, I'm, I think I'm Sherlock Michael. Okay, Sherlock Michael. Yeah, my name's Sherlock Michael, and we'll definitely and, and we'll be throwing this up on our um, on our social media as well, putting it out there. So definitely, well, oh, awesome. That's appreciated, man. All right. Well, again, yeah, thank you very much, sir. Yeah, thank you very much, no, Mr. Thank Sherlock. you very much. Thanks for having me on. And um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. When do you think this will be you guys will be done with the edits and stuff? When, we'll, will, when will it uh, We'll have this up tomorrow, definitely. Most likely, yeah, I'll be done tomorrow. Oh, wow. Yeah, we don't play around too much. I mean, we screw around a lot, believe me. But <laughs> we get it done, we put it up. I sort of plan on getting a little toasted after this interview, so. <laughs> yeah, I we, sort of plan on that. If we do a lot of drinking, we'll, we'll start editing and throw it up. So hopefully it'll come out all right. Okay. No worries, man. That's that's much appreciated. Thanks very much, guys, for having me. All right, well, thank, pleasure. You. thank you very much. All right, take it easy. You too. You too. And there's the interview. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, I, Michael I'm... Sherlock. There. Did you not find that fantastic? No, it was fantastic. I enjoyed right it right up until the end. There. I'm just really glad that you know we had the intro part, and then we went immediately into the. Yeah, that was great. That's how we do things around here. <laughs> Fly by podcasting, bro. Woo! Oh my god, I'm looking at the freaking clip now and I have no idea where the hell we started. This oh is the god. most professional fucking... I wrote it down, don't worry about it. It's cool, it's cool. Hey, let's pull the curtains back. Bam. Oh, yeah. we, we, oh, we waited we at know. the end of that interview. So wizard. back. Box doesn't know how to edit. <clears throat> that is not even true. Uh, Listen, I am going to rape all of you. I believe in Harvey Dent. Okay. The two episodes ago. That's all I need to say. Oh it was an god. anomaly. I promise. I, I swear to God, this one. is going to be a good. Should one. I not? That's, no. a, that's the one where we did the interview with uh, Lucian Greaves. I listened to your guys' last episode. I didn't listen to that one. Yeah, well. you should at least listen to the interview. The interview was gold. Okay. Oh, it was great. The you interview get, was very. It was. It was. It's certainly on par with that last one. Every everything around it, you'll hear twice though, because there's an echo on it. But other okay. than that, the interview was perfect. <sighs> that was a good kiss noise. Anyway, you guys know we just had uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day this past mm-hmm. Monday. I don't know if you guys celebrated, put on blackface, and yeah, Boggs, went out who's and that? fucking celebrated. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, Boggs, do you know who that is? I do. Is I he do, one of your fact. idols? He's an iconic American figure. Mm. Whom was assassinated, unfortunately. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. It was unfortunate, huh? It was very unfortunate. Surprised you didn't celebrate it. Okay, so in Duluth, Minnesota, there's a uh, store called the Global Village, and to celebrate Martin Luther King Day, they had a sell on uh, 25% off everything that was black in the store. If it had any black in it. (laughs) Jesus. 
Oh man, that's that... almost that's almost as bad as the Black History Month. Where at a Walgreens they had a Black History Month sale and it was cotton balls. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's. I don't understand that. Explain that to me. I don't want to. Okay. Pogs, you explain it. <sighs> Michael, sometimes people. Ref- no, I got nothing, dude. Fuck it. I'm yeah. not touching that. Yeah. Racism. I was going to say, man, we could get some more clips from Boggs. I mean, uh, come on, guys. That was a good one, but <laughs> they also had one. The Now, this is better because it's not a store. This is the Oregon Republican uh, group that did a raffle to raise funds, I guess, for their candidates or whatever. So they raffled off in uh, honor of um, Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King Jr., a AR-15 rifle. What? <laughs> is that- I don't think they they quite took that because okay let's see what's the best way we could celebrate these two guys who are assassinated by the bullet are they throwing in JFK in there too no they should have though I don't know why they didn't put him in there but for some reason I guess it's because Martin Luther King of course because it's his day and then Lincoln because Lincoln freed the slaves so I guess they just yeah. tossed him in there as well America and you know we're getting close to the America. President's Day so I guess it worked out Fuck yeah. so I don't know I, which do you guys think is better the Raffle for the rifle or the 25% off everything that's black? <laughs> Better or worse? <laughs> They're both awesome. Yeah. <sighs> um, I don't know. It's like... Okay, that's enough Go for ahead. you. Yeah, no, finish the sentence. Yep, yep. Shut up, Boggs. Shut All the right. fuck up, Boggs. <laughs> I'm the only one rooting for you. <laughs> here's, here's something else. I don't else know if I have the heart to finish what I had in mind. Here's something else that's offensive in a totally different way. Go ahead. Uh, there's a... In China, there's a group that's building a theme park based on the uh, Titanic. They're building a replica of the Titanic. And one of the great things about it is um, when people go on it, they can experience what it's like to have been on the Titanic when it hit the iceberg and oh sank. Oh, my God. That's odd. They die? <laughs> no, they'll go into it, and it simulates hitting the iceberg, and then the vessel will start to shake and tumble. And they said um, by... They'll let people experience water coming in by using light and sound effects, and they'll think that the water will drown them, and they'll have to escape. Jesus. <laughs> Sounds fucking brilliant. And then they'll have guys playing the violin and the cello. Yeah, of course. As you die. As you're dying. So I thought that was pretty awesome. So if you guys want to experience what it was like to die in the Titanic, by 2016, you guys can take a trip over to China and check yes. that shit out. Cool. See? That's good stuff right there. You guys- so I don't know if you guys heard about this uh, wonderful woman in Maryland who uh, decided to perform an exorcism on two toddlers. Oh no! Please, that sounds fun. Is she hot? Uh, she is part of a group that's called the Demon Assassins. What? Okay. Yeah, they're that's called pretty, the Demon Assassins. Pretty badass name. I'm not gonna lie. So is she hot? God no! <laughs> don't. Damn okay. it. So there are these two kids that she believed to have demonic spirits, and they were it was jumping from one child to the next. So her bright idea was to stab the shit out of both of them. Okay. Did How she did at least have scientific evidence to prove the demon's possession? What do you think? No. <laughs> All right. I was just just in case. Just I mean, in case. It's possible. I guess. No. So she so stabbed the shit out of them. That a demonic spirit was passing between these two kids, like it would pass to one, and she'd just stab the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Pass to the other, she'd stab the shit out. Of it. I mean, these two kids died, of course. Yeah. Uh, 
Does that count to remove the demon on that note? Is, just, that, is that an effective demon removal when they die? I was going to say, that's the important part. Did she get rid of the demon, though? Is she sure that the demon wasn't passing to her? Uh, see, as far as her side of the story, not really being told that very well, because uh, I'm pretty sure she's locked up in some kind of mental institution. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. That probably, could be an issue. Probably should have just gone to regular prison. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Hey, you want to hear something even more fucking outrageous? Uh, sure. Andrew's got a story for us. Oh, man. He you told us about to this earlier. I think you'll love this. I've oh, got yeah. Two stories, but I'll tell the one that you're referencing. Um, so in India, there was some news about a uh, group of village elders that sentenced a woman to being gang raped because they didn't agree with her dating choice. So apparently. She was dating someone outside of their village, and because her and her family could not pay the fee that the elders elders had placed, a very large fee, for their disapproval of her relationship, her sentence was to be gang raped by about thirteen dudes. So thirteen. Does that make sense? Yeah, thirteen men are in connection with the gang rape of this woman, um, that was ordered by the elders in West Bengal, and. Uh, Right now, there's a lot of uh, outrage in India, of course, over this issue, and um, many, many people are actually calling for the government to pretty much give these guys the death penalty for sentencing a woman to rape, which is pretty understandable for the most part. Is that not the most outrageous fucking thing, man? She is currently in intensive well, I mean, what care. Are these, what are these guys' legal authority? Uh, what is none. their legal authority in the village? So they have their, no their village elders. Whatsoever. Yeah, so the way that it's described is basically you have you have a uh, a government um you have the overall Indian government and then you have these villages that are basically just rural rural villages where all the farming all of that takes place, ranches all that. And uh the government is kind of outside of that. Obviously they still control all this, but they still have village elders to basically lay down some laws. Now, technically, the village elders do not have any sort of real power. They still think they do because they're still sort of in the old world beliefs of the village elders, but they have no real power. And so they still kind of try to put out this power, but really there's nothing there. And which is why they're all basically arrested now. Like, they sentenced this woman to be raped, which is a weird sentence to begin with, not to mention horrible, and they were arrested pretty much immediately whenever we live in a global society, so everyone found out about it, and they were arrested, and most people are calling for them to be put to death for it. That's a pretty sticky-ass fucking situation. It's it's hard to comment on that one, isn't it? And no bunny. You no bunny. You no? fucking dick. Nothing. You say sticky. God damn it! Really? <laughs> oh, he's the fucking worst, man. Why did I not get that immediately? It took me a second. Eric, look at his face. <laughs> he's just fucking ignoring you. I, I don't, know. You know, I think um, I, I, just to go into because that's just that you just brought the whole fucking room down. Good job, Andrew. What, what you wanted wrong? me to? I br- I actually brought content. Don't you, bl- don't you fucking blame me? I for brought that. content this time. Here's something that I, mean, I think will, right? will lighten our spirits up. I, Come you on, guys. guys. are going to fucking love this. Boggs, get ready to fucking do some production on the fly here. Oh, God. Um, Bam. On the Alan Combs radio show just the other day, 
one of our favorite people ever, Victoria Jackson, who we've played, uh, we've talked about some comments she made in the past about rape and abortion. She was on there discussing um, Islam and Muslims. And so we'll just put it this way. The, the first clip here, she starts off, she's talking about how she just moved to Tennessee from Florida because the people in Florida don't speak English anymore. So she had to get the fuck out of there as fast as possible. So, <laughs> so anyway, here's the first, these are about a minute and a half each, but believe me, it's, it's pure gold. What made you choose Franklin, Tennessee? Well, it's not really Franklin. Um, it's very close to that. Um, well, I followed my children and my grandchildren. And when I got here, besides the fact that it's the Bible Belt, it's also the new uh, terrorist training camp for the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. So the, I the, Muslim bro- the Muslim Brotherhood is training in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of proof and facts. I'm friends with. Where, where, where are they exactly? Well, there's a training camp in Dover, and there's one in New York. There's 36 actually. But tell me about this. There are 36 terrorist training camps in the United States. Well, I'll tell you something. It could be just a sweet little mosque. But you're saying you you see a there's a mosque. When you see a mosque, when someone else sees a mosque, you see a terrorist training camp. No. I see potential terrorist training camp. Anybody who memorizes the Quran or reads it or studies it or believes in it or gives the tithe to their to their mosque is actually contributing to terrorism. So you could look at it that way. Uh, yeah, I'd like to know which mosques are, I mean, you know, you said 36 of them. Should should we stop mosques? Well, I guess you probably believe mosques should not be allowed to be built in this country, right? Oh, no, there's way more than 36. I mean, all of them are terrorist training camps. If they really believe in what they're talking about. Wait, wait, about. All, all mosques are terrorist training camps? Wow. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. I want to cut off my dick so I can never have the chance to Unfortunately, fuck her. Unfortunately, I don't think Eric could hear that since he's Skyping with us. Basically, what she was saying, Eric, was there's, she moved to Tennessee, and there's... Um, She's realized that there's a mosque there in like Murfreesboro, wherever the hell she lives, that's a terrorist training camp. And there's 36 of these throughout. Because it's a mosque. Because that's it's the a gist. mosque. She's the all, listeners have heard this. We're just kind of ease this to you. Yeah, so you know what all the fuck mosques or evidently potential terrorist training camps. That was the quote. Yeah. yeah. So that's what she's saying. So anybody who's involved with the Islam religion going to the mosque giving tithes or whatever, they're basically supporting terrorism. This is why I hate people. <laughs> She's, she is the best. And um, so she did that, and of course then Alan kind of presses her on what she believes about Islam and Muslims in general, and that's the next clip. And let me tell you, this is just as good, if not better, than the first one. <laughs> Should Muslims not live here? See, that's where they... That's where they trick us, because it's not just a religion, it's a military and a political system. And they're all here because of our kindness and our freedom of religion. Well, should we but not have freedom of religion here? You talk about the Constitution. The Constitution... Yeah, if you have, <laughs> if you have, we should have an amendment that says any religion that wants to kill all the other religions should not be allowed. You know, there are billions I, of Muslims... for that amendment. But tell me, would you want to throw Muslims out of the United States? Yes. You want to throw them all out? Yes, I do. You want to throw all... So so you don't believe in freedom of religion, as the Constitution says? I believe in freedom of religion, except for religions that kill the other religions. Well, does, does, there's no asterisk in the Constitution uh, that says, except for certain religions, there are between 5 and 7 million Muslims in the United States. Do you think they all uh, want to kill you? Tell them to go back to the Middle East. All of them? 
Yeah. You think they want to kill you? All of them? Um, some of them. Are you saying these five to seven million people, all if they had their way, would kill you? They hate, yes, they hate us so much. And we're acting, I mean, I'm not acting like a fool, but people like you are acting like fools. Am I, in how am I acting, of, how am I in acting like a fool? In the name of political correctness. Uh, how am I acting like a fool? Because I believe in religious freedom and want people of all faiths, like the Constitution <laughs> says, to be able to live in the United States? Yes. So you would change the First Amendment? I would make an amendment to the First Amendment that says any religion whose books, literature, and out of their own mouths, if you go on YouTube and watch them, says they want to kill the Jews and the Christians, I would make an amendment that says they're not allowed here. Who the fuck is this bitch? She used to be on uh, Saturday Night Live a long time ago, like late 80s, early 90s or something, and now she's just totally lost her shit and she's like fucking... You know, right wing zealot Tea Party member. Um, Jesus Christ. Oh, she's great. Um, she, uh, for Eric. What's <laughs> up for Eric? Eric, she wants to deport all of the Muslims back to Middle She wants East. to create an amendment for the First Amendment that says that if your religion is, you know, against all other religions, basically, or wants to take them out, that wants your religion should, yeah, wants to kill them. Your religion shouldn't be allowed. And she, she wants to deport every Muslim because they're all trying to kill us. She, she believes that all Muslims in the United States want to kill her. And I'm pretty sure okay. they probably do. Does she understand what her own religion says about other religions? Wait, it, it's not important. It's not think. about religion, man. It's about <laughs> Muslims. Don't don't focus it's not on relevant. don't focus on details, Eric. That's not. I mean, it's I, not. I'm sorry, but it, I mean, if you don't want your religion to uh, be persecuted by other religions, maybe you shouldn't believe in a religion that persecutes other religions and says that they're false, and you should be put to death if you don't believe the way they do. Which hey, is hey, exactly they're not, they're the not, they're not violent anymore, dude. They've modernized and secularized. Yeah, we went through this Their whole book interview. book still fucking says it. <laughs> Just like fucking Sherlock said earlier, the people that are actually following the religion are the hardcore crazies. It's the ones that are lackadaisical and peaceful are the ones that are not following their religion. That's right. Just like Pope Frank. Yep. Frank. Or Making Andrew. up as he goes. What a douche. What a douche, Larouge. Hey, that that guy's doing. That guy's, yeah. I got nothing. You got Fuck nothing. It. Fuck it. Fuck it. All right, oh, I got man. a. I got one last thing. Andrew's got, got another thing. good one for us. Um, so did you guys hear about the ghost ship full of cannibal rats that's he- heading its way towards the yeah. Ireland or the UK? <laughs> yes. I hadn't yeah. heard this until just now. I don't know why I said Ireland or the UK. I feel like an idiot. Eh. Um. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so there is apparently From Canada, right? Uh, yes, there is a there is a ship that is from Canada. It's a old Soviet Union cruise ship um, that Canada did seize from the Soviet Union, and they basically just had it out in their harbor for a while. And eventually, they were just like, "Well, we'll just we'll let it go." So they purposefully lost the ship into the Atlantic and <laughs> have no idea where the fuck it is. And apparently, it's just full of a bunch of cannibal rats. So very, very hungry rats, and Ireland, England, Scotland, I guess, also are very afraid that in a winter storm, this ship is going to crash onto their shore and just release thousands of 
very hungry rats. You know what I heard that um, China is working on a uh, theme park for this ship. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get the experience getting mauled <laughs> to death it, by cannibals in a winter storm. The ship like barricading through your house and yeah. fucking million rats well, coming out. And yeah, here's biting your flesh. Here's the thing I don't really understand about it is in in a in a age where we have a lot of satellites in space. I mean, let's be honest. How can we not find this ship with all the technology that we have and just destroy it? <laughs> How can, Why would England not just go, eh, we'll just, uh, it's in international waters, waters, we'll just fucking blow it up. Who gives a fuck? Well, maybe they'll get lucky and some Somali pirates will fucking get a hold of it there was beforehand. An, yeah, there was a, a, a scrapyard attendant that was talking about it and he was like, basically, if the ship doesn't crash on sh- on shore, we'll have to go out there and I will have to kill all these rats with poison and other things. Like, and then it'll spill in the ocean, and then where are we? Right? Well, it doesn't matter, man. The, the ocean's already filled with radiation. So yeah, I was going to say. No, yeah, we already fucked that up, didn't we? Hey, yeah. what's up, Fukushima? It's um, like a Canada's like, oops, we yeah. lost the ship, eh? They didn't even go oops. <laughs> they just go, meh. We, uh, we did it. Who we, cares? We kind of sort of let it just kind of float out there. Nobody wanted it. Did you want it, Boggs? Yeah, Boggs wanted it. You want to? I want it so bad. Non your so bad. In back in uh, what episode two, I think Boggs was talking about some hot rat on rat action. So. Oh, was he man? I don't now remember this at all. It. No, that was me. Yeah, those are my. <laughs> oh. oh, that was you. Well, Boggs started talking about the rats making out with each other or whatever, and I took it down the other route. <laughs> those are my two contributions, which I also learned today that rats can't vomit. Which is weird. No, that's really neat. I just want to say that... They can't burp either. That's why you can't feed them things like Dr. Pepper, because their stomach will just expand and explode. Fun. Is that true? Yeah. That's also... The reason why you feed them poison is because they can't vomit, so... Hmm. Fun facts. Just poison that ship. Oh, Eric, I'm sorry. Oh. Hey, I got some for you guys. I wasn't going to do this, but since Andrew's here, too, we got the full fucking crowd tonight. Oh, I man. have... A list. Oh. Yes. This is a special list. Don't ask me how they did this, but the American Bible Society ranked the most and least Bible-minded cities in the United States. This is going to be extremely hard because they took all of, like any city that's got more like a couple hundred thousand people, but they put cities together. So if it's like Minnesota, St. Paul, shit like that, they bunched them up. I guarantee you guys will not get any of these, but we'll try it anyway just for shits and giggles. Go for it. So they surveyed about 50,000 people throughout the United States in these bergs and stuff. And these are the conclusions they came to. Now, we'll do um, the most Bible-minded cities first. We'll see. We'll let Andrew, you can uh, go first. Don't give me this one first. It's it's obviously going to be like some fucking shitty town. Oh, these are going to be hard, believe me. I had tr- I looked them over, and I might have got like two out of the 20 on between like both lists. Expert mode. Gotta take a guess, man. You just want me to do just a random... Just fucking random guess it. Fuck. Um, Most Bible-minded cities. Bible-minded cities. These city. are people who read the Bible and love the Bible so much. Where, where's the Westboro Baptist Church from? Is that Westboro? <laughs> Westboro? I'm Where assuming. the fuck are they anyway? Are they like Missouri or something? I don't even fucking know. I believe the city's called Westboro. Is it Westboro? Well, I'm talking about state homes. Oh, you're talking about state or oh, cities? State well, cities, or city. cities. But he was asking what you're asking where Westboro is from. Yeah, I thought you meant like statewide. I'm gonna go Westboro. Uh, no. Damn. 
Everybody around them is probably don't. sick and tired of their bullshit anyway. I guess so. Mr. Eric? I'm going to go with uh, Riley. Riley? What the fuck is that? Uh, no. Birmingham. That's my answer. Birmingham. Birmingham number two. What? Boom, bitches. I got one in what? your face, Eric. You're going to suck a dick later. They're not fucking Bible-minded. They have Birmingham, Apparently, Aniston, Tuscaloosa all together. Eric just made a jerk-off motion. He did make a jerk-off motion. He'll be making one after this giving, is over, we're too. We're giving the play-by-play -play to the, the listeners. You guys want to try again, or you just want to say Boggs is fucking yeah, victorious is and give up? Um, I just got you in the first go. What was his? His number two. Current Liquors. Where was that at? Alabama. 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 Mm. Um. Yeah, I'm done. All I right. got nothing. <laughs> I'll give you the top ten, then we'll go to the least awesome. ones and see if any of you guys can get any. I'm just shocked that. Are there any major shit cities at all? Shitties. There are a lot of shitty cities on here. All right. Number 10 was Knoxville, Tennessee. Nine, Jackson, Mississippi. Wow. Eight, Little Rock, Arkansas. Seven, yep. Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. Six, Charlotte, North Carolina. Five, Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, fuck. Really? Four, yep. Four, Springfield. They got gambling in there. Yeah, Missouri. That's, all, that's all it is is gambling. Well, you, you know, it's so hard right that's now. In, Eric. Um, that's in uh, Bossier City, not Shreveport, is no, it? No, Shreveport is all gambling. They got it too? They have all gambling. Dude, like I fucking Louisiana. Fuck that yeah. place. Three, Roanoke, Lynchburg, Virginia, which makes sense because Liberty University is there. What's up, Jerry Falwell? You fuck. And uh, of course, <laughs> Birmingham, Tuscaloosa, blah, blah, blah. Number two, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Most. I should have guessed the Chattanooga Most Bible minded city. Chattanooga Choo Choo. Who, who did this list? The American Bible Society. Okay, they're fucking stupid. Oh, dude. I know it. I just thought, you know. I think I think you guys are just jealous that I nailed it. No, 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 no. I opened up a particular restaurant uh, around this whole fucking southern yeah, area. Has Bob's ever won one of these before? No. We got to get him in the next one. You know where part. I got the most fucking tails? This is bullshit. Loosely and easily, yeah. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, dude. Because religious girls. because religious girls need it, man. Thank you. They need it so They're bad. Religious. They want to be closer to God. <laughs> they wanted to fuck you like an animal. Eric, you bring them closer to God. With your cack. Cack. A cack. All right, you guys want to take a stab at the <laughs> least Bible-minded yeah. cities? Start naming northern cities. Don't look at me. I don't want to go first. Okay, we'll let Eric go first this time, then. Go, Eric, go. San Francisco. Oh, man, that was my guess. Number four. Fuck, nice, I should have gone first. Nice. All right, it's all right. Derry, what's yours? Oh, fuck. I'm going to go Seattle. Oh, no. So sorry. No not Seattle. Nope, Seattle's not, on, not top ten. Jesus. I'm going to have to go East Coast. I'm going to go with, um, with uh, Brooklyn. Or New York. We'll just go with New York since that's more broad. You can't just go with New York. Do you want to go to Brooklyn? Well, like, New York is a city, isn't it? Brooklyn Oh, like New York, New York City? Yeah, like... Isn't well, Brooklyn included in that, though? Don't they, like, just go, like, Brooklyn and then Queens and... It doesn't Brooklyn? matter. It's not fucking on city. here. Yeah. So you're the fucking bird. wrong. Eric, you got a second guess? You guys got one more chance uh, to take him out. I'm gonna say, uh, Las Vegas. That's, a, that's an excellent guess, but it's not on here now I think about it. Las Vegas would be awesome. How is that not on the 
list. That is the capital of heathenism. Okay, well, I gonna, guess it's all people from out of town coming in. I'm going to do a guess, and then if I don't get on the list, can I do a second guess real quick? No. Sure. No, that's how this is played. It won't so count. first is Portland. Portland. Good guess. Good guess. Not on the list. Either. Number 10. Number 10. Jesus. Second was going to be L.A. L.A.'s not on the list. Oh, my God. What? Wow. Sweet. See, I'm glad you said that now, because that was my next guess. So, oh, thanks for that. <laughs> fucked it up. If it was on the list, I wouldn't uh, have told him. So, this is like the least godly-minded people? <laughs> yeah. A bunch of atheist homo lovers and stuff? This is it, dude. You got one shot to be there. Washington, D.C. <laughs> Another awesome guess. It's not but... a city, apparently. Um, <laughs> I'm going to stay on the East Coast, so I'm going to go Miami. Miami is not on the list. Fucking cocktail. Austin. So here we go, Austin? kids. No, Austin's on the list. Yeah, the game's over. So Number 10, Portland. Portland. 9, Burlington, Vermont. 8, oh, okay. Phoenix, Arizona. Mm-hmm. 7, huh? Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. 6, Buffalo, New York. Aww. Five, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. That's that, why I suck at the NFL, because God doesn't love them. That's the only one that I was a little shocked by, is the Cedar Rapids, Iowa one. Um, four, San Francisco. Five, or three, Boston. Two, Albany, New York. So you're a little bit off there with your New York City. If you're a little, little bit north. Apparently. And number one, Providence, Massachusetts. Hey, guys. Or, I mean, Providence, Rhode Island. Excuse do you know what would be great? I guess that's not Massachusetts. Let's do some LSD and then do a study about the most religious and unreligious cities. You want to do that? Let me tell you something. Just take some drugs. The fucking American Bible Society wasted a lot of fucking time doing that bullshit. I mean, even though I won the second part of that, that's just fucking ridiculous. Do they have what they used as a gauge for religion and non-religion? It was just they asked people if they read the Bible how often and if they abided by it. I don't think that was actually a good study that they did. It was a terrible fucking study, yeah. but... Oh, yeah. A study by, like, three people in each town. <laughs> yeah, what was their... Uh... They did 50,000 people and did the top, like, 100 cities by, like, population. What a that's bunch kind of, of they did. dicks. So... You have another yeah, one that's really better. Bad. Nah, that one sucked. No, I just fine. pulled that off, and I wasn't even going to use it, but since Andrew is here, I'm like, eh, we got Let's the crowd. Let's play a game. How many rats are on that ship heading to the UK? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Over, under. I don't know. Let's go. Two million. Well, there mm. won't be that many, because evidently they're all eating each other, so... Mm. There'll be zero eventually. Mm. <laughs> or there'll be one real fat one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Little fat cunt right. I somehow still a- was able to derail the end of this episode. I'm sorry, Eric. At that point, is he a rodent of unusual size? But I did bring actual content. You did bring some content. So I do you have uh, one part of you. Thing. Let Eric do this, and then okay. I'll finish with Dick of the Week because I haven't done that in a couple weeks. Damn it. I was trying to segue. That's why I said Oh my God, I just ripped such a nasty fart. It's going to stink oh, so bad. You didn't in a have second. to Michael. tell us. Oh my God. So there was a. Uh, a gentleman Jesus who went to his mailbox and received uh, one of those uh, <laughs> fucking solicitor uh, mail cards from uh, Office Max. Okay. And guess how it was addressed? You know how it's always like whatever or current business? Yeah. Anybody? Wild guess? I, I can't answer because I actually saw this, so I don't want to give it away. It. It, it, it he addressed title. it to God. I can only think of offensive things, so I don't he... want to say anything. He wants to fuck you like an animal. Oh boy, is that what he said? He wants to fuck somebody like an animal. He wants nope. to get closer to God. Daughter killed in car crash or current business. What? 
There's only one really bad, bad part to this. This guy's daughter was actually killed in a car crash. What the fuck? How did they... What? How did this get past yep. the mailing system? Apparently, Office Max is blaming a third party for the information that they pulled for this particular address. And that's what they pulled was daughter killed in car crash. Then come to Office Max, where we've got lots of office supplies <laughs> to help you with your daughter dead in a car crash. We'll help like, you can get you fucking imagine, like, your daughter was killed in a car crash, and then all of a sudden a fucking business is sending you a fucking letter saying daughter killed in car crash? You can or purchase... Her- yeah, you can purchase the Jaws of Life online now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty fucking oh, horrible. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. As, as a parent, that does kind of sting me in a way that I haven't really been stung in the past. All right. I don't even know what that means. Pretty fucked yeah, up. That is really fucked up. Oh, uh, Suck Mike a wants dick. me to... You can just, like, segue next time, you douchebag. Hey, what? guys, do you it's want... the dick of the week. da 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 this is another one Eric doesn't get to be a part of because he can't hear audio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dick of the Week this week, Mike Huckabee. And I don't know if Eric heard this or not, but uh, he went off on his little speech at some Republican event where he discussed uh, the war on women. And uh, Mr. Bonks, if you could play that for us, please. Women I know are smart, educated, intelligent, capable of doing anything that anyone else can do. Our party stands for the recognition of the equality of women and the capacity of women. That's not a war on them, it's a war for them. And if the Democrats want to insult the women of America by making them believe that they are helpless without Uncle Sugar coming in and providing for them a prescription each month for birth control because they cannot control their libido or their reproductive system without the help of the government, then so be it. Let us take that discussion all across America because women are far more than the Democrats have played them to be. And women across America need to stand up and say, enough of that nonsense. There's so many things I love about that. How I... That is such a weak, weak argument. It's the weakest shit I've ever heard come out of someone's mouth. It is, and I love all the fat fucks eating in the background. (laughs) Well, is that a luncheon, dude? Yeah. What are you going to do? So... What Huckabee's doing is he's standing up there and he's saying that the Republicans aren't waging a war on women. It's the Democrats because the Republicans are really trying to help the women because the Democrats are putting them down and putting them in a box because I love how he calls the government Uncle Sugar instead of like Uncle Sam. He goes, because the women are need Uncle Sugar to provide their birth control pills to them. Otherwise, you know, they can't control their horniness or whatever because they've all got their these libido their libidos yeah well the fact that they're sluts and they just want to you know take some cock all the time and then you know you got to keep them from getting pregnant so they it's just everything he says the way he says I, I know that if any woman out there heard that and they weren't offended by that then you know what it's like they deserve what they get when all these abortion clinics get shut down or they take away contraception rights and it's just amazing to me that you hear republicans especially and they're all men always complaining about oh you know these women they get these you know planned parenthood and we have to pay for this and you know this abortion pills or they get this and that and, and it's like 
we did this story last week, you know, it's like, whereas Medicare is pumping out hundreds of millions of dollars for fucking penis pumps and Viagra is covered in all, you know, medical care and stuff, you know, but if a woman wants birth control pills, which they don't even use strictly for birth control, I mean, a lot of times they use it for other medical conditions and stuff as well. That's just like the craziest fucking thing ever. It's like they can't wrap their minds around that. So I just think it's funny because you haven't heard that in a while. And well, the problem with this entire argument is like, first off, he's putting words in someone else's mouth, which I love. It's just great. It's great. when he's putting words in all of Democrats' mouths. Yeah. Really. I just, I love that. It's that all Democrats feel that way. The other thing, though, is um, like, why not just provide it then if they're equal? Why not just provide that through your health care? Because, man, women can control their horniness. Apparently so. Apparently they can. Whether or not a dude knocks them up or something. Yeah, that's completely within their bounds. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, I mean, it's like we talked about before, even with, you know, with uh, Michael Sher- Sherlock when he was on about the whole political thing. You know, it's it's really comes down to religion. It's just a religious aspect. You know, women are the submissive ones. They got to stay submissive to the men, and they shouldn't have the rights to be able to, you know, control their birth and stuff because that's against God. You know, abortion, birth control, all that. It's against the Bible. It's against God. That's what it really comes down to. Because Huckabee is, you know, he's a preacher. And I mean, he's a religious nut and he's one of the, the great thing about him is, you know, he came in second to fucking John McCain. It's like we make fun of Santorum a lot of times. I mean, that was the runner up to Romney. It could have been the presidential candidate for the Republicans. He was runner up to McCain and he says shit like that. So, yeah, that's oh, yeah, the, uh, elections. the other day on NPR on uh, the Diane Rehm show, favorite show ever, um, they were talking about, you know, how they're trying to get rid of the barriers on abortion clinics so then the uh, fucking crazies can berate the shit out of anybody that's going in there trying to get their abortion, which is completely fucking legal. Um, and uh, they had this one uh, pro-life fucking nut job on there that was talking about how they, they don't want abortion passed, I believe it was 10 weeks, because according to her, there were a couple of doctors that... Uh, believed that the fetus could feel pain at that point. And so at that point, they shouldn't be allowed to have an abortion. Uh, meanwhile, this uh, pro-choice uh, lady was on there and stopped her dead in her tracks and was like, um, well, unfortunately, in the real world, we deal with facts and evidence, and there's no such thing. <laughs> there has been no evidence whatsoever that passed uh, 10, I can't remember if it was 10 or 20, it might be 20 weeks, but it was past a very small amount of time uh, where this pro-lifer was saying that uh, a fetus felt pain. And that just goes to show you their mentality. Like, they don't give a shit about facts. They don't give a shit about evidence. The only thing they care about is pushing their agenda. And without any rationale or logic, it's just, oh, that's what a doctor says? It must be fucking true. I'm going to fucking run with it. And they've ramrod these propaganda campaigns in their churches their chapels and everywhere else in their little fucking stupid ass communities where they all have the same superstitious belief and then it just propagates amongst the masses because after all the majority of fucking americans are christian so a christian is going to trust another christian more likely than an atheist who's thinking logically and rationally which is absolutely absurd but that's the truth True dat, mofo. True dat. You got anything to say on that, Andrew? You look stunned over there, buddy. Oh, sorry. No, I was saying there's always outliers. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, but, you know. 
Statistically. We don't really like to talk about outliers because they don't fine. really. No, yeah. They don't really matter that That's much. That's fine. Really. I was, you know. No, oh it's understandable. God. I think everybody hates an outlier. I guess that's why I fucking ruined the show. This is the fucking worst Anito show ever. Yeah. Just fucking stop it now. Done with this whole fucking show. Well, why? Because we started talking about math. Worth ending. <laughs> I went on a giant fucking awesome rant. Fuck you did you. go on a on a I, rant. What? Oh. I think Eric just logged off Skype and said fuck it. Click. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus. That's <laughs> what you should have done in the middle of his rant. Just click off. Click. Maybe maybe one day when he's ranting about me or something, I'll be like, what? I can't hear you anymore. Click. Well, maybe he but, won't be uh, on Skype. Well, I just want to say this was another excellent show. Best show ever? No. No. Probably not. Sorry, no, guys. Sorry, no. guys. Well, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I like you guys. I'm going to play the gun asshole thing just because I love it. Are you guys ready for it? Go ahead. All right. The Second Amendment. A bad name. So on that note, unrelated to the to <laughs> completely <anything>. unrelated. <laughs> we could at least say guns are bad. I'm okay and call it a day. Okay. okay. Well, here's our five second gun thing. Hey, did you guys hear that in a mall today, like three people were shot to death? That's not not to death. Hey, everybody. Last time I heard, there was week. one wounded and five or four had. There were five victims. Uh, one wounded and four were. Health related, such as like what? heart issues and sprains. Somebody shot somebody, and they're like, ah! <laughs> "Old woman, like walking by as he's firing the gun, has a fucking heart attack." Yeah, no, there was one. There was one actual gun wound. That's still gun related violence. No, yeah, no, it is. Yeah, he went into a fucking mall and shot up the place. He didn't actually kill anyone that I know of. No, he didn't. I don't know. I didn't really get the details on it. So that's the gun related. That's thing. good reporting from us. So there, yeah. Yeah, there's your gun. <laughs> five, five star reporting. Well, I just want to say <laughs> thank you again to All Michael facts. Sherlock for jumping on with yeah, us. Thank um, you. We'll throw the links up, of course, on our Facebook and Twitter for you guys. Uh, go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, check him out. Michael Sherlock, I am Christ. Um, like I said, I haven't completed the two novels, but from what I've got from them, it's excellent material well, the second so novel's not out yet correct second novel came out in november last uh, oh, this past november he he's said, got a third book coming out in yeah. march get on that no 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 no, no, no. no there's no, a no. separate book coming out in march the third book of the trilogy comes out late this year yep. early next year yes did Behind you pay attention at all i said a oh, third book god not the third it's not book. related it. to the series though. i said a third hey, book. Oh. i i spent a week and a half trying to remember Four methylcyclohexamethanol. Sorry, <laughs> I'm that, bad. Was, that was pretty great, though. That was pretty that great. Was pretty great. I'm glad you got that in one more time. <laughs> yeah. Well, folks, for Eric, for Andrew, for Michael, so long, farewell, and fuck off.